Hello and welcome to the Six Ways from Sunday podcast. This show is all about building an online community of faith for people who are believers or seekers or questioners or curious hearts, for those seeking a weekly dose of spiritual nourishment uh, through casual conversations over a cup of coffee that are focused on life's deepest and most difficult questions. One of the questions that we have touched on quite a few times on this podcast is the question of what happens when we pass away. Uh, The topic of death and dying is a difficult one to talk about. Uh, A lot of times people don't want to talk about it, but we've had some phenomenal conversations on this podcast uh, over the last almost two years uh, with a few different guests who've come on and, uh, and talked about death and dying and loss and grief and grieving. And this week's episode is sort of tied into that theme. So this week, we are going to talk about death, but it is from a very unique and very interesting perspective. My guests this week, Leah and Ron, are volunteers with the Cameras Hospice Society, and they do a really cool thing called threshold singing. Now, I'd never heard of threshold singing before, but Leah came onto the podcast several months ago, quite a while back, and she was sharing her story of how she became a yoga instructor. And at some point, we got talking about this other thing that she does uh, through the Hospice Society with her husband, Ron, where they go into a hospital room or a hospice or a long-term care facility where uh, someone has requested um, this service to be provided, and they will sing uh, at the bedside of someone who is very, very near to death. So this practice of uh, threshold singing, otherwise known as bedside singing, is a very deeply intimate experience. Um, There are some kind of guidelines and structures in place around this that I knew nothing about until my conversation with Leah and Ron. But this week on the show, we had a really great conversation that helped me to understand what this whole threshold singing thing is all about, how it works, some of the history behind it and how it came into being how it works here in Alberta and through the Cameros Hospice Society and the work that Leah and Ron are doing. And during the conversation, I actually had the opportunity to lay down right in between Ron and Leah, and they sang over me. And I have to tell you, it was a very deeply moving and relaxing experience. I would, I would kind of describe it as being very similar to a meditation practice, but with the added element of these individuals just pouring this uh, intentional love and energy onto me through this beautiful harmony and beautiful singing. And um, so you'll have a chance to hear that during this podcast. And I would really encourage you to, if possible, try to make sure that you're in a space while listening to this whole episode, really, but especially the, the few minutes while while they're singing, to uh, free yourself from distractions. So whether that's laying out on your bed or a couch or just finding a comfortable place to sit, maybe you have a meditation pillow or um, just a a favorite spot at home or somewhere that you feel really safe, somewhere that you feel comfortable and hopefully free of distractions, that you can just kind of receive that singing the way I did in the room here with Leah and Ron. So here is my conversation with Leah and Ron about their threshold singing. I hope you enjoy it. Ron and Leah, thank you guys so much for coming down to Basha and uh, sharing some time with me today. Welcome, Ben. Uh, Thank you. Today we're going to be talking about threshold singing or bedside singing, which Leah, you told me about during our last conversation, which was quite a while back. Um, but when you came on the podcast first, we kind of talked about your, well, quite a bit of your life story that led you to um, your uh, journey as a yoga instructor. And somewhere along the way there, we touched on, or maybe it was even outside of the, maybe we didn't have the mics going and it was just while we were chatting after or before, but you were telling me about this bedside singing practice that you and Ron uh, participate in, mostly in, in cameras, but it sounds like it it started before your time here in Alberta, uh, when you lived in BC. So let's uh, first start out with just helping people understand what is threshold singing. Sure. Um, So there's a, 
worldwide organization called the Threshold Choir. And they have a website called thethresholdchoir.org. That's the address. And I just want to read a little bit from their website because I think it really beautifully explains, kind of encapsulates what Threshold Singing is about. Um, so their motto is beautiful, and it's kindness made audible. Hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. And so what they say is, our goal is to bring ease and comfort to those at the thresholds of living and dying. A calm and focused presence at the bedside with gentle voices, simple songs, and sincere kindness can be soothing and reassuring to clients, family, and caregivers alike. When we are invited to a bedside, we visit in groups of two to four singers. We invite families and caregivers to join us in song or to participate by listening. Many of the songs we offer are composed by Threshold Choir members specifically to communicate ease, comfort, and presence. Because our songs are not religiously oriented, our singing is appropriate for those who are deeply spiritual, whether religious or not. A session typically lasts around 20 minutes, give or take, using soft lullaby voices. We blend in harmony or sometimes in unison if that provides the most comfort. We offer our singing as gentle blessings, not as entertainment, and we are honored when a client falls asleep as we are singing. Most of our songs are very short, so their repetition is conducive to rest and comfort. Families have said that our presence helps them to be with their loved one after the doing is done. Mm -hmm. The service is our gift, and there is no charge. So, yeah, and threshold singing is kindness made audible. So that's that's like hmm. a little clip um, that... Uh, it's from their website. So yeah. that's... so. Um, it's a practice that there's there's kind of a network of people that are, are doing this uh, in a similar fashion and kind of following some of these guidelines. It sounds like where where did it come from? Do you, do you know much about the uh, the history or kind of the origin story of? Yes. Um, so the 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 lady who started Threshold Singing, her name is Kate Munger. Okay. And she's from the U.S. And so in the 90s, during the AIDS epidemic, she had a dear friend who passed away. Oh. And so on the night of his passing, she, she felt nervous sitting with him when, as he was passing. So she just kind of intuitively started singing to him, and she sang to him all night. Wow. Um, while he passed away, and I guess the experience was just so profound for her and also for him. She could tell that he was very calmed by the singing and it was just, it was beautiful. So that was in the 90s and then um, I think it was like 97, she she took a road trip and <laughs> it was like a long road trip and she started singing again <laughs> to all the animals who had been hit on the side of the road. Like, <laughs> wow. like she was singing to the roadkill. So as she would drive past, she would turn down the radio, turn it off, and just start singing specific songs just right. to honor this Their poor, yeah. yeah, this poor animal wow. who had, had been hit. And I, it wasn't until the year 2000 that um, the first choir started so, and now, I guess they did a poll in 2017, and there's 150 chapters wow. all around the world. Um, some, there was a little, there's a choir in Thailand, quite a few in Australia and New Zealand, a lot in the UK, for the most part, U.S. and... And kind of English-speaking countries? Yeah, U.S. And, and Canada, mostly, yeah. Hmm. So the chapter that you guys are, you're part of a chapter, right? Yeah. And is that based in Camrose? Yes. We, so we're, we're not official, we're not an official chapter yet. We're still a beginning chapter. Okay. There's certain um, steps and processes. 
um, that happen uh, before you can become an official chapter. But if and when, when we become a chapter, which we're like one little step away from, there'll be four chapters in Alberta. Oh, wow. So Edmonton, us, Calgary, and Canmore. Okay. So um, tell me a little bit about what work is going on in in Camrose, like this, you're doing this through the Camrose Hospice Society. And we've had Bill Harder on the podcast a couple of times, which were awesome conversations. I don't know if you guys have heard those, but yeah, he's, he's fantastic. And so I'm pretty familiar with the work that the Camrose Hospice Society does through those conversations with Bill and anyone who's listening to this, if you haven't checked those out, definitely go back. Um, I don't remember the episode numbers right now, but we'll put them in the, the notes of the show. Um, and yeah, so, so some of our listeners might be familiar with Bill Harder's work and the, the Hospice Society a little bit too, but um, tell me a little bit about how it kind of works. Like someone identifies or, you know, contacts the Hospice Society and makes a request or how do they even know that this is something that's uh, like available? So um, Joy LeBlanc is the hospice coordinator she she coordinates the volunteers. Okay. So when we took our hospice training last October, mm-hmm. 2018, October of 2018, yes, um, we got to know Joy and Bill. Obviously, we did we did a lot of the grief work and grief workshops with with Bill, and he was a, a big part of the training as well. And we actually sang a little threshold song during the the training just as an intro, because even at the training, we were, you know, <laughs> excited about <laughs> the threshold singing. So so we would, we trained, and then, uh, so if anybody is interested in singing with us, it's wonderful if they are hospice volunteers already, which pretty much everyone in our group except for one is already hospice volunteers. Okay. The threshold singing um, rules and regulations really, they almost parallel, like they're very similar to the, the, the regulations of the hospice society. Right. So they, they meld very nicely. So well, when, it's all part of kind of the same work, right? Like you're yes. in, in either capacity, whether you're going in as a hospice volunteer, that's just going to sit with someone or, or play, play cribbage with someone in the, yeah. in their hospital room or threshold singing. You're, it's, it's very similar in that you're, you're stepping into, um, into a space that's very intimate, uh, that there's a lot of emotions there's a lot of sensitivities that you want to be mindful of. So I, I could see where the training and the, some of the policies are, they just mesh up perfectly. So why, there's so many different directions we could go from here, but yeah. why, why do you guys think it's important? Like, why do you, you mentioned that there's like, there's no fee, you're doing it as volunteers. You guys are young, you're busy. Why take the time to sit with someone who's dying when in our society right now, it's, it's so like, that is so not a normal thing to do. We kind of like Bill and I talked about in our, in our conversation and he talks about, uh, he used the phrase pulling death out of the closet. Like we really do have a weird relationship with death. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to be around it. Even family members, the, the family members of the person who's dying will sometimes be kind of strange about it. So, um, so why does it feel so important to you guys? Maybe, Ron, do you want to jump on that sure. one first? We're swinging the microphone back and forth between between Leah and Ron. So, Ron, why don't you take a stab at that one? Hmm. Well, <clears throat> I think, like, death is it's an extremely intimate experience. You know, I haven't died, although I've died in some ways. Um, <clears throat> you know, and, and, and I think it's one of the most intimate experiences that we can have. Um, and it doesn't just include the person dying. Usually, it's it's there's a community around it. There's there's family, there's uh, support staff, there's going to be um, caring, you know, um, like people who aren't even associated with those that are dying. For example, like volunteers. 
But I think in terms of like we've trivialized other, other things in our lives, we've, you know, even, you know, other intimate, um, occasions like, well, marriage, <laughs> no, I was sex, for example, I, or, or I was birth, just thinking about you know? sex or food, yeah. there, you know, these things that are so, so integral to life itself, eating and reproducing, you know, like these acts that, that you literally cannot live, have life without, but yet they, we've, they've become kind of mundane or we've treated them as we've kind of reduced them to, to something simplistic or less meaningful than they really are. I, I totally agree. Mm-hmm. And, <clears throat> you know, and, and so, you know, in some ways I got involved in it because of my own distance from death, you know, and like you suggested at the beginning, you know, keeping it in the closet kind of thing. And I think that was an impetus for me to look underneath the covers and see what is there and become more comfortable because, you know, in, in my life, I, I'm getting, I'm getting older and I'm getting closer to, um, that experience. And it's a mystery for me. Right. And, and I think, you know, my experience over my closeness with it came through, well, through Leah, through Leah's, um, uh, parents passed away. So, um, yeah, I don't, do you have anything else do you want to add to? Well, yeah, maybe Leah, yeah. like what's, do you have a similar, um, answer or like story around what drew you to it or what makes it feel important for you? Well, I was threshold singing on, on Bowen Island with, with the ladies, um, before my parents passed, I was introduced to it even before then. My parents passed in 20, well, five years ago. And, um, uh, when my dad was dying, Ron was singing with the men's group with the Threshold Choir, and so they put a bunch of songs together. They couldn't actually be with my dad in person, but they sent recordings, oh, and cool. I played them for my father. I put a sign on the door at the hospital. He was at the Cross Cancer Institute. I put a sign on the door that said, Do Not Disturb for 15 Minutes, which is like a very large amount of time in, in that place. And I plugged him in. And when they were singing the recordings, they actually had a picture of my dad. Oh, So that's they cool. were singing to my dad. And uh, there was about five songs, six, seven songs. And so I plugged him in. He closed his eyes. And he just, it was just so peaceful in that room. You could hear a pin drop and his face just softened. And I think that's when it really hit me that this offering is just so, like there's just nothing like it. You hmm. know, to offer someone in this state of suffering uh, an ounce of peace, <laughs> my heart just melted. And afterwards when he was done, he just said, Leah, that was just so beautiful. That was so beautiful. Hmm. And yet, during my parents' passing, I couldn't sing to them. I knew the songs, but I couldn't sing because my grief was so deep. And so it wasn't until... It was a while after their passing till I could, I could sing again and, and do the threshold thing. It, yeah, it took a I while, but, but there was something definitely really steeping and percolating and really drawing me towards it just because of the the profoundness of it and that ability to be so close to people in their dying and having something beautiful to offer mm. you know it's one thing to sit with the dying and hold their hand and you know you're being there with them but this is actually it feels a bit more constructive like there's something that that you can do for them, you know, you're really creating something. Yeah, like through that. I mean, it's not. I, I want to call it a performance, but like you said, it's not about entertaining them no. or or keeping them. Like, uh, you know, it's not. It's it's very. It's distinct from something like gathering around and singing Christmas carols around the piano. Like we all have those moments that are where music is about uh, creating community or or creating joy or creating. Like it's, it's a creative process to sing, 
right? But it sounds like this is creating something that's kind of distinct from that. Like, it's, it. I love the word that you used, which is just peace. And it, but it's alleviating the suffering or displacing it in a very different way than, you know, morphine or something is going to kind of dull it or, or remove the pain, remove the, the suffering. But you're creating that peace. And you're you're honoring the process as well. Like you're honoring death. Like even it's it's like a ritual to to honor the process of wh- dying while creating peace. Mm. Yeah. So in your experience does that help uh to take away some of the fear of dying for people? From our experience of singing at the bedside, which we've sang here at in Camrose, um, Ron and I, we've we've sang to about maybe five people who who passed a few days afterwards. Um, there was definitely a peace in mm. the room, a quieting of their breath, uh, a calm, kind of energetic, and yeah. You could feel it was palpable. Wow. Mm-hmm. I, I think that we carry, well, I know from my own experience, that we carry more tightness and more stress and more of that just kind of tight energy or anxiety than we would ever identify until something happens that whether it's like meditation or a yoga practice or um, like the singing that you're describing sounds like it's kind of similar where it would kind of tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, relax, like take a breath. And then you realize, oh, I was tight. Like, oh, my shoulders are really tight. Like until you consciously take that conscious breath uh, of whether it's part of a meditation practice or whatever it is, you didn't even realize that you had your jaw clenched or you had your shoulders tight or your stomach was in a knot. And we, we all kind of just walk through life carrying that stuff. Like it's so normal that we don't even register it anymore. So, but it's cool that you are able to, like you said, it was palpable. Like you could, you could feel it shift, not just for you, but for like kind of everyone in the space. Yeah. And I, I, I don't have words to explain how that's possible, but I, I, I know that feeling where you can just, uh, you can just tell that everyone in the room is like the energy shifted or that there's a, a calmness or a peace that's kind of come over the group. Yeah, I, what I was going to add was, in some ways, it brings the attention back to the patient or to the to the client. We call them clients, and you know, in a way where I, I would imagine that in situations where one is in that situation of dying in the bed, there are so many transitions happening, and this is a threshold that is. You know, about to happen that the, the dignity of that person is is like I can imagine that that's what's in question like how can I how can I still maintain my own position in life and yet transition from this position to the to the afterlife and so the the client becomes the focal point in our singing like they are basically dictating um, how we enter the room, you know, and, 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 um, being very sensitive to what is happening. How is the breathing? Are they conscious or not? Mm. You know, and, and, and so when we, when we enter into that space, it's a sacred space, you know, it's, and it's giving full attention to that person, which I, you know, I'm sure that's what other caregivers do too. And, you know, and this is in a way that um, honors their transitioning and in hopes to ease that transition too, because we don't know what's happening either. Right. You know? <laughs> it's like you said, it is all a mystery. Yeah. It, to me, there seems like there's a little bit of a difference. Something that seems so unique about it to me is that you're walking into that space fully focused on kind of their their soul almost more than like the nurses walk in and they're checking blood pressure or they're checking 
levels of different things on the monitor and they're they're giving that they're still caring for that person but they're kind of caring for that person's body and making sure that they're giving that person's body the best care that it can have whereas you're kind of coming in with a different set of priorities almost like you know that this person is passing and that it's not about um, keeping them physically comfortable or prolonging life or reducing physical pain it's more about what is this what can we do for this person's mental and spiritual state so i don't know do you think it's yeah. kind of offers a bit it, of a like a distinction there that to me sounds like hospice yeah you yeah. know and so i think that's why hospice training is is essential to doing this kind of bedside um work and and it's interesting because you asked the question earlier about um how we got into it and and I, I was going to talk more about the the male perspective you know because, because women mostly held this position of hospice workers and um, nurturing at the bedside specific you know especially nurturing at the bedside hmm. and so the other side of the question is how did I get into this like or how did right you know how many chapters are there internationally that are that are men oriented or, or, you know, men singers. And, and I think there is only one so far. Which, oh, wow. Really? Which is the chapter that, uh, that my mentor, um, Brian Hoover started in, in BC. So back in 2014, um, we had the opportunity to bring our, our men only organization to, uh, one of the threshold gatherings where Kate Munger was there. I think it was her last year in the, in the threshold and we got to meet her. It was in Seashelter, I remember. And, and it was just a beautiful ceremony where the women in this gathering who have, who have gathered for, you know, for decades already, they welcomed the men in to this group, oh, you know, and we walked in single file kind of thing in a circle <laughs> and, and we, 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 we sang and, and, and I can't remember exactly how it goes, but I remember at one point there were the men were in the, the middle and we were facing, we we're in a circle and we we're facing outwards and the women were surrounding us facing inwards and we were singing to them. Oh, that's cool. And, and some of the, the women were, were, uh, quite emotional about it because this is a very sensitive space even for, for women to welcome, you know, us hierarchical, patriarchal, you know, dominance right. that we've been all these years. And so to, 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 to acknowledge that, that we, that we can also be in that position, uh, you know, of, of caregiving and, and heart opening and mm. it was, uh, it was Does wonderful. It, what, yeah. uh, what feels different about it to you? Like, I mean, obviously male voices, lower tone, male energy, um, but the same intention, the same purpose, right? Yeah. And I, I think it goes back to an ancient art of being able to, you know, having this opportunity to, to, to sing or keen, you know, keeners, I, I remember was the word where, where people would hold space for those who are, who are passing and who have passed for a certain amount of time. And not only for, for holding that space for the person who's transitioning, but to hold that space for the community. Right, you know, and 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 mourn and grieve and actively get into that process, and so when 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 Brian, when when my mentor was was kind of explaining this position to to us as as men, you know, we could we can reclaim that hmm. that purpose and that power. That's really right. neat. What an opportunity! Yeah, what an opportunity! Hey, so so I jumped on that right away. Uh, you know, to help, to help set up that, that organization and chapter in BC. And then, and then from there we went into the, the gathering and, um, and then started our practice. Right. Actually from there. So that was back in 2014, I think. Hmm. Yeah. And I just want to do a shout out to, um, Brian's wife, Shasta Martinuk. She, she was the leader of the women's choir on Bowen Island. Oh, okay. So husband and wife. <laughs> That's really neat. Doing, she would lead the women and Brian would lead the men, hmm. which I, I thought was just so beautiful. They were such a beautiful, hmm. they are a beautiful couple. And um, we sang with them also for many years at their uh, community choir. So they were very 
there are singing mentors. In yeah, in more than one. <laughs> in in all avenue. ways. Yeah. Yes. Cool. So, speaking of um, that side by side kind of a like community choir or like that that form of music, and then this threshold singing, I'm because I've not heard you guys sing yet, and we are going to get to that pretty soon, which I'm really excited about. But I'm super curious, just like. What is the music like? You mentioned that some of these songs are written by people who are part of different chapters around the world. Um, I'm assuming that there might be sometimes other languages involved or some uh, pieces that maybe don't even involve actual words. Maybe it's like I'm, that part I'm just really curious about, like to help me understand kind of what is the music like? <laughs> <laughs> well... Um, yes, there are different languages. Sometimes, uh, like Dona Nobis is uh, in uh, Latin. Yeah, there are some yeah. Latin songs. Um, there are some songs that have kind of a religious overtone using God or hallelujah. or hmm. um, So those songs are, are nice for, for folks who, who do have a strong religious affiliation. Um for the most part, a lot of the songs are about love, light, peace. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, for obvious <laughs> love, reasons. Love, light, and peace. <laughs> um, and you mentioned that there's a lot of uh, often like repetition. Yes. Um, so, okay, maybe, maybe the best way for people to understand this is to just hear it. <laughs> so is there anything that you guys want to talk about, though, before we kind of rearrange the room here and do some, Yeah. What we're going to do with Ben today is we're going to lay him back in our anti-gravity chair, which we actually use at all of our practices um, with our group at the end. Last half an hour, somebody um, chooses to be in the chair, and so we bundle them up. We put blankets and uh, lay them back, and we all gather around, and we sing to that person. They just, the only thing that they need to do is lay back and receive, close their eyes, and just allow, like, give themselves full permission to receive and to allow the song to just wash over them. And then hmm. it's a good way for us also as a group to practice the songs that we've been rehearsing, so we get to practice on each other. And so we're going to lay Ben back and get him all cozied up, and uh, Ron and I will just sing one song to him one beautiful song that really means a lot to us and that we're practicing with our group right now as well. Oh, I can't wait. Okay, so we're going to we're going to pause this. We're going to move the microphones around, lay out the the anti-gravity chair, and I'm going to get all wrapped up in that blanket that looks really cozy. Um, okay, let's let's do it. Yeah, just close your eyes. <coughs> Let everything go. You are not 
some space to hold that feeling, that sensation kind of reverence. And then we'll launch into another one, mm -hmm. two or three. Usually a, a, a session will last about 20 minutes or so with the, with the client. Yeah, I mean the feeling that you have after the song ends is hard to describe. You just want to sit in it and kind of just soak, soak that up for a little while. Like I was, I was really feeling, uh, like I could just kind of melt right through this chair and be a puddle on the floor. Right. Like how often do you get a chance to sit and receive uh, that kind of attention? Like never. Right? Yeah. And so threshold singing is not only on the threshold of, 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 of the afterlife. It, it can also be at times where you're transitioning from any other extreme life situation, mm. right? It could be, it could be extreme grief. It could be, um, um, something, you know, that you're working through in your own personal life where you need to receive that kind of support, right? And, and I think that's the gift that, that we can all do. You know, we can all participate in that. There, there are so few things, uh, way, so, I can't think of many things that you can offer a person that are so selfless because we've all been with someone who's struggling or needs some support. And even if you try your hardest to go into um, that space with that person and maybe just give them a shoulder to cry on or hold that person or offer some conversation that's all about, it's supposed to be all about them. It's so hard to not end up bringing a little bit of yourself into it. And pretty soon you're either distracted in your thinking or you're making it about yourself or you're not giving them quite the kind of listening that they needed or, but this is such a, 
purely selfless offering, it feels like. Like, I just felt this energy from both of you that it was just... It was, all, it was At first, it was a little bit uncomfortable because I was feeling that this is about me. <laughs> and, and so not about you guys that it was like, oh, why do I get to have this and deserve that, you know? Do, do you find that people struggle with that sometimes? I'll just sit up here so yeah. you can keep talking about okay. it a little bit. Well, I just wanted to say that during our practices, it was hard to, people, we would sit there and wait and wait for someone to, to get into the chair, <laughs> you know, and I don't know if it's tied to that feeling of unworthiness or just, yeah, I don't, I don't deserve this kind of selfless, you know, but now people are like fighting, or they're not fighting, but they're jumping in there really quick. Eager to have that yeah, experience. Yeah. Like it's when you're so practicing, sweet. you're talking about Yes, when we're yeah, practicing. Taking yes. So what about in, a, in like with a, we use the word client. Yes. If you're, if you're going into a room with a client, they've obviously requested it. So they, they, they have that opt-in. <laughs> they have the, it's by choice. Or well, the family or has asked, maybe it's family. a situation where they're not even conscious or they're like really close to the end and the family has asked. And then it's, it's as, as much for them as it is for the, the one who's on the threshold. But Yeah. So I can describe a couple experiences, maybe just three experiences. So one experience, we were actually with Joy at the hospital. She came with us because it was our first time singing at the, uh, at the hospital in Camrose, St. Mary's. And um, so Joy waited with us out in the hallway, and um, the whole family was there. The daughter was very distraught. She was crying in, in the hallway and just inconsolable, and uh, their mother was, was in the room, ironically in the same room that my mother passed away in. Um, and uh, so... You know, we waited for quite a while, and we, it's almost like we kind of had to absorb the whole situation for a little mm. while at first. Eventually, there was an invitation for us to come into the room, at which point everyone joined us in the room, and the daughter was still weeping, and uh, we, we, we sat beside their mother and began singing, and about two songs in, you could hear a pin drop in the room, like the daughter quieted down completely, her crying stopped, um, the mother's breathing slowed down, and, uh, and then we did a few more songs after that, and when we left, it was, <laughs> it was the transformation of ev everyone in the room was just, it was like night and day. Wow. Um, it was like walking into a storm, and then the storm just passed, and then we left. <laughs> we left everyone. And um, another time, we went to one of the care homes. There was an elderly fellow. He was 100 years old. Wow. And um, he was still able to walk around and, and everything. But when we went in the room with him, he turned his back he turned completely away from us. Oh. And so we did not sing for him. We sat with him for an hour and just sat with him while he slept. Hmm. So it just was really clear to us that that's just not what he was wanting to receive. Wow. So there are times when that happens and we won't sing. We'll just be there. And we'll be there at our hospice capacity, you know, just right. sitting at the bedside, just yeah. being there. <laughs> right. And then, um, yeah, the last one, just another really noticing the breath, the breath quieting. Sometimes there will be a very audible sigh. And that gives us a clue that there's a calming action happening for them and this person was not conscious at all. So it's not like we could ask permission and there was no family either. So we just went in and, and assumed that the singing would be okay and just noticing that 
deep sigh made us feel like, yes. Wow, that's really neat. I I felt myself just in the last probably minute or less of your singing, I could feel my breathing kind of really start to to deepen and soften much like exactly like it would uh, during a meditation when you really feel yourself to start to slip deeper into a state of relaxation and uh, and letting go, right? Like a release. <laughs> so, wow, I'm so glad that I had the experience that we can now in, and talk about it even more, having felt that. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, like you said, how often do you get to to receive like that? It's And it's soothing too, you know, like I'm sure we were all sung to when we were ba- babies, Right, yeah. Sing you to sleep or rock to sleep. There might be something that's awakening from that time of being a little tiny infant and your mother Hmm. is singing to you or your your head is against your father's chest and he's humming to you as he rocks you. So there's just something really deeply soothing about being sung to. Talk about coming full circle, hey? And like people will talk about how the 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 end stages of life are similar to infancy in other ways too like your physical capacities and are diminishing and you start to lose your hearing and your sight and your other faculties um it's it's kind of an undoing of of that beginning stage of life or like the reverse of that process i think they say that the one of the last faculties is the hearing to go and, oh. and, and i think that's why we mentioned that 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 we treat, you know, the client um, as, you know, even if they're not showing signs of being conscious, being able to speak, but we always treat them as being conscious because hmm. you don't know. You don't know right? what's kind of getting know. through. Yeah. So, yeah, like Leah was ta- talking there about different experiences. And, and the other thing which I find fascinating is that in that situation or in those rooms, um, we don't know what's going to show up. Like we, we don't know if the dynamics between say father and, um, you know, son or daughter and mother or brother and sister, like those kinds of dynamics will trigger ourselves too, you know? And so when we practice, we try to practice with, um, with hand signals so that in say, in the case that, you know, I come to a, a room and there's a situation that triggers me, for example, as a singer, like I may not be able to sing all the way through because I'm overtaken by emotional right. um, intensity, you know, and something coming up for yeah. you that you didn't expect. Yeah. yeah, and so you know, I'll 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 do a, I'll I'll make a signal saying you guys continue on. I'm gonna step out mm. and grab a hold of myself <laughs> and try to come back into you know. So I think these kinds of practices, you know, and that's why we don't practice with paper. You know, like having sheet music, and we, we would want everybody to know the music. Right. Um, you don't want a lot of distractions happening in the yeah. room, right? Like when you're in that situation, you know, we don't we don't we don't want it to be bustle, hustle, and bustle, right? Right. Yeah. And beyond that, it's also just intentionality is yeah. like intention is everything. And if you're if the focus of your intention of your attention and your intention is this person and they're like you're literally focusing on their being while they're still here is very different from looking at a sheet of music or um like i loved your story of how the having the photograph there while the men were singing to your dad Mm -hmm. and so that that intentional component was there it wasn't just like oh we found this recording on the internet and we're going to play it for you oh it sounds nice like that's more about like I'm sure that that's well documented that soothing music is is great for patients who are in palliative care and stuff mm-hmm. like that but this is distinct from that like this has a specific intention for that person. Yeah, I think recorded music even though this situation was recorded but recorded music can't respond to the dynamics that are happening in the room. Yeah, that's a great way of saying right. it. Yeah. And and like you said not just the dynamics of that of the client or patient but their family and and anything else that's going on watching and eye contact is very important Hmm. um not only with each other but with with the client and um in threshold the threshold choir network has 
kind of mixed regulations on hands-on approaches. I wondered about that. Yeah, and so in our practices, we will ask each other if you if you would like some hands-on. Mm-hmm. Um, however, if we're not allowed, if if we we're not able to ask the client in the hospital because they're unconscious or mm. some, quite often we will keep hands off just mm-hmm. because we don't have that permission first. Yeah. Consent, but yeah. if if they are lucid and and willing, we will just place a hand on the shoulder or on their hand yeah. gently. Of course, if they're very weak, we'll slip a hand underneath their hand, which is kind of a a hospice thing yeah. to do, and um, or just on on the leg or. That would but be so it, powerful. It, it yeah. kind of transmits some of that vibrational energy too. Of yeah, right. I was just going to say that that, that, right. that that when you were talking about oh, I can't remember what it was, but it was intention, and mm. you're talking about the hands-on. So I think this work in is I, I, it's I could call it energy medicine in a way. Mm. I think, I think that's the realm in which this operates in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also, it, just, it what made me think of the vibrational component to it was you talking about, you know, as a baby, maybe your head was laying against your father's chest. And I just impulsively or instinctively would start doing that with our babies. Like, I, I vividly remember holding my son, who's our youngest, against my chest and just trying to get him to sleep. And I would just start going... Mm. and he would feel that i mean as a two-month three-month baby even that's kind of just kind of wired into them then like as that that memory that soul memory almost that uh it would take you back to that in, in a way and be soothing mm-hmm. well i i can't thank you guys enough for giving me the treat of that experience that was really powerful and it's been phenomenal to just learn more about it through like discussing it and kind of exploring it together the three of us and and talking about it I I love this format of just like inquiry into each other's thoughts about it and drawing on your experiences and you guys have been doing this for a number of years and have helped you know a number of people and been practicing with other people and like so the impact of this work through the two of you is undoubtedly very significant um, and so I just want to thank you for, for doing it. <laughs> and I think it's a, such a gift that you give to people. I hope that some people will get inspired by hearing about it. And through hearing this, the one song that you shared with me, um, hearing that through the podcast and maybe some people will want to get involved even and, and learn a bit more about it. Where, what would be a good place to send people to, to either get involved if they live kind of in this area? You mentioned there's a few chapters in Alberta. Mm-hmm. Um, what would be the best place to send people to? Well, a lovely place to start is to become involved with hospice. And uh, Joy LeBlanc is the contact for the uh, Hospice Society of Camrose, or Bill Harder. And um, otherwise, you can find us <clears throat> on Facebook under Camrose Threshold Singers. If you type that in on Facebook, our page should come up. Cool. And I'll add can, the link to that too, yeah, to make yeah. it easier for people yeah. to find, but that's an yeah. easy one to look the li- up. The links, yeah, for sure. Uh, and we practice twice a month right now at one of the uh, singer's lovely homes. So nice. it's very cozy. And uh, you don't have to be a hospice volunteer. You can always come and check it out. However, if you'd like to go really deep with it, uh, we recommend the training just because right. it's... It's just a really lovely integration, and uh, and with Bill, with his grief training and everything, mm. it just really allows you to to go to the depths. Mm. They're complementary. <laughs> yes, and because this is such a heart opening practice and um, a practice that can really bring up a lot of heartfelt emotions, and I mean, we've all had someone very n- dear to us who is passed away Mm. and so when you're singing all of it comes up (laughs) oh i bet so to just have that grief work you know 
under your belt, so to say. It's something that you work on all the time, but um, to just have all that as well as mm-hmm. the singing makes for a lovely experience at the bedside and during the practice. Well, I kept thinking throughout this conversation and the singing, I have been thinking about people who I've lost and grieving and grief work that I'm still doing, but thinking about oh, how amazing it would have been had those people who I've lost been able to experience something like that as they were passing. I mean, I, I don't, I get that it's, it's not a case of like, okay, they're, they're going to die at this exact moment. Let's start singing. But it, it's more about like, okay, they're near, they're, they're at that threshold. And so the, the music is about that final kind of part of the journey, um, whether or not it happens to be right at the moment of transition of, of their last breath or as they're drifting off and losing consciousness. But what, I mean, what a way to kind of slip away um, to be listening to that as you're actually passing would be just incredible. And I'm sure that does, does happen sometimes with, yeah. with people who do this work um, or people who are receiving that. But it, yeah, it, so even for me, it brought up a lot just today, even thinking about um, the people that I am missing and thinking about my own mortality and, and moment that uh, will one day come. And it's scary. Like, it's really something that it's no wonder that we, we push this subject away because it is such a mystery. Like you said, Ron, none of us, regardless of what our belief structure or faith is, have any kind of guarantee of what happens during or after that transition of of death. We just can't know. And so all we can do is offer to each other and allow ourselves to receive some of these things that maybe can help a little bit. There's a beautiful quote from Ram Dass. He's a You've probably heard of Ram Dass. He Mm. says, we are all just walking each other home. (laughs) And I feel like that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, (laughs) I love that. I've actually, I heard Bill say that once. It might have been even on the podcast. I can't remember now. But I heard Bill say that and I loved it. It really stuck with me Mm -hmm. because it's so true. We are. We're just walking each other home. That's one of the songs that we do. That's, there's a song by that yeah. uh, title or with that? It's, it's titled, it's based on Ram Dass's words and it's okay. just called We Are All Walking Each Other Home. Uh, that would be a beautiful one. <laughs> well, again, guys, thank you so much for this. This has been really special. Thank you for your work too, Ben, bringing this to the public. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's fun doing it and I hope that, uh, I hope listeners get a lot out of it. I know they will. Thank you so much, Ben. Thank you everyone for joining the three of us this week on the podcast. I hope that you enjoyed listening to this conversation with Ron and Leah. Uh, I think it's phenomenal the work that they're doing. I hope that more people can learn about it through this podcast and maybe get involved with Threshold Singing and increasing the reach and the impact of this beautiful act of love and art and expression. It's such a special and intimate and important thing to be with someone at the end of their life. And I really loved that quote from our conversation uh, where we talked about the fact that we're just, we're really all just walking each other home. It's such a beautiful image to me and it's so true. And regardless of what your spiritual beliefs are, regardless of what your religious practice is, uh, this idea of just walking each other home through a beautiful act of sharing music and intentional focused presence with someone who's at the end of their life is such a beautiful gift and such an amazing way to honor someone's life. I hope that you enjoyed listening to this conversation as much as I enjoyed having it and recording it and sharing it. And if you feel inspired to share it with others, we would so appreciate that as well. I hope you can join us on the Six Ways from Sunday podcast again soon. And until then, take care and be well.